So we're talking about requirements for successful evangelism. The first thing we mentioned was a good example, Romans 2, 21 uh, through 24. And next we want to look at a proper attitude toward the work of teaching the lost. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, I'm always, I shouldn't say amazed, I'm always disappointed when I hear people talk about doing evangelism and outreach and then they don't want to take part in it. You know, I know some people talk about doing outreach and doing Bible studies and things and they, they're not able to do some of it because uh, maybe they're in poor health or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure, but there's some who are really good health who have no problem doing it. They just, some reason, seem to be uh, too busy. You know, there's always something that is keeping them from doing what they should be doing. And so they're just too busy to go out and be teaching uh, the, the lost. And, and I'm always, what I always think of is if you're willing to suggest something, you should either, really, you should take the lead in it. I mean, if you don't take the lead in it, you should very least be very involved in it. Because if you're not willing to take the lead in something, or to be involved in something at the very least, then to be honest, then you shouldn't be suggesting others do it if you're not willing to do it yourself. Uh, and personal Bible study is one of those things that people say, well, you know, we need to have to be out there teaching, but yet we have, <laughs> they're not willing to do it themselves. They're not willing to, to do anything. Uh, you know, they, they will barely invite people to come to services themselves. Uh, there's some, maybe the same people who won't take any flyers with them for gospel meetings or what the case may be. But yet, we can be out there teaching, but they're not going to be a part of it. And, you know, again, if you're going to be suggesting it, uh, then, you, then you need to be a part of it. And I think, personally, you should be leading it. If you're suggesting it, uh, then you should be willing, willing to lead it. Uh, second, a proper attitude toward the work of teaching a loss. It is not a burden. He says, Brother Campbell says, it is not something to try and avoid at all costs. What is evangelism? I like, I like the way he, he, he talks about this. He says, what is evangelism? It is simply telling others the wonderful news that God makes salvation available to mankind through Jesus the Christ. And he says, what is bad about that? You know, he's exactly right. We may not always have the right answer for everything, or say the right answer. We may not always have the answer at the top of our heads. We can find the right answer using the Bible. But there's always people today who will do anything to get out of doing personal work, to get out of doing Bible studies. And, you know, we were over in Fiji here at the end of June, first part of July, and it was so easy to have Bible studies. And I thought, man, if it, I wish it was like this back in the States. But, you know, back here in the States, in the most areas, we have to kind of beg and plead people to study with the Bible with us. And I know a lot of people who say, we study the Bible with me for an hour. And for a lot of some people, they say, okay, that's, that's enough. We can, we can do that. And some say, well, no, that's a big commitment. But, you know, in Fiji, where we were at, when, they, when we had a Bible study, it wouldn't be uncommon for it to last hours, three, four hours, for a Bible study to take place. Because while they were there, they wanted to get all they could out of it. If you asked them if they have a question, well, they had questions. Well, here in the States sometimes, people aren't willing to do that most of the time. And uh, Sean says here, a sitcom without commercials is 20 minutes long. He says, we owe our Lord at least 20 minutes a day to spend and study. Uh, you know, we're talking about personal Bible study or doing personal Bible studies. 
you think about how much time we spend doing other things, and then we say we don't have enough time to do a Bible, to try to set up a Bible study. You know, I think many times we should try at least to talk to at least one person a week about the church or about Christ. It could be inviting them to something, and then you know, asking them if they have any, you know, do you want to study the Bible together or something? And and for a lot of people today, that's that's just too much uh, to ask them. First of all, to talk to a neighbor about anything religious, and to ask them if they want to study the Bible with them, uh, you know, you're pushing it. You know, you require an awful lot of us, dear preacher. We know the Bible tells us that we are to be those who are trying to reach the lost. It doesn't always turn out in conversion. doesn't always result even in a Bible study. But as Christians, we're successful in doing our jobs for Christ when we try to do it, when we try to have Bible studies. Look at our next one here. He says, a desire. Desire to teach the lost. He said, without such a desire, forget it. He says, is my heart really into teaching the lost? If not, sooner or later, I'll stop doing it. Probably sooner. He says, we recall that Paul's heart, that Paul's heart's desire and prayer was for Israel to be saved. You look at Romans chapter 10. Uh, Romans 10 and verse 1 says, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, for Israel is that they might be saved. You know, we can say the same thing today. We can say our heart's desire and prayer to God for our local area, say Uligal or Tulsa or wherever he is, is that they might be saved. And I think that is the excellent, uh, excellent point to add to our prayers. And I'm going to make myself a note, and I think, you know, we need to try to add that in, I think, sometimes to our public prayers in our worship assemblies to add in that our areas be saved. Because, you know, when you, it is our desire not just to go to heaven, but also to take all those we can with us to heaven. We don't want to get to heaven and be the only ones there. You know, Malaysians always will now joke, well, you know, Church of Christ thinks they're the only ones there. Uh, well, no, those who obey the Bible are the ones there. Uh, because there are plenty here who are part of the, quote, the Church of Christ, the Lord's Church. But they haven't been obedient. They aren't, haven't actually been doing what Christ has, has taught. And so for that reason, they're not going to be there either. But we can rest assured those denominationalists won't be there. Because how can you get to a place by following the creeds of man? Desire. We need to have the desire to teach the lost. We need to have love. We think about personal work or being a, a evangelist. Evangelist is just someone who evangelizes. He says, love for the lost. Teaching lost people is not just an assignment that we receive from someone that leads a visitation program. No, teaching the lost is a soul-saving work. It is a privilege. If we do not have a genuine love for lost souls, we will not really care about setting up and carrying out Bible studies. You know, I understand it's hard to get Bible studies, and people today encourage door knocking, and I have mixed feelings about it. Uh, I try to do it. Uh, I try to do it personally a few times a month. But, you know, to be perfectly honest, door knocking has a very low success rate. You know, different areas have higher success rates, but most most of the time, I've heard too many people say, you know, we need to think of a better way to do it because you're really just wasting your time. 
because the majority of the time, at least in, in many different areas, is that people today are not even uh, willing to talk about religious things when you come to their door. Uh, here, make sure I got the right person here. Sean says that uh, people cringe because of the Jehovah's Witness. Uh, you know, the Jehovah's Witness are very zealous, and I admire them for that. But, you know, you think about how many failures they have. They have, they probably door knock, I think, you see, you say they door knock more than we do. And so they have more success than we do. But, you know, think about how many hours they have to put in to door knock and to be successful and even getting someone to study with them. Well, being a part of the church, we have the same problem. And I think today we have a lot of different ways we can reach out to people. And we can use those ways to do that. And that doesn't mean that we should not door knock, because we do it, we do it here before our, uh, usually before our gospel meetings, but always before vacation Bible schools and things. But, uh, uh Chuck says here, but they, but they, uh, he says they still keep doing it. Uh, Sean says, because they are made to or be sent from, the, from their church, my aunt has been one for 40 years. You know, there's nothing wrong with door knocking. Let me be clear, there's nothing wrong with it. I just think sometimes we might consider a different way of reaching out to the lost. Uh, ways that might be more uh, successful. Uh, you know, people today, you go to a restaurant, you go out, what do you see people doing? Well, they're on their phones, they're on their smart, you know, they're on their smartphones or tablets, uh, wherever they are. And that's what I think why one of the biggest things we one of the things we need to make sure we're doing is that we create uh, a website and keep those things going so we can reach out to people that way. Because in many ways I think we need to go to where they are. Uh, we need to be where they're at. We can go to their homes, we can pass out flyers and different things like that. But internet presence today is huge. I think sometimes and I don't think everyone feels this way, but sometimes I think some of the uh, older generation don't see any use in it because, to be honest, most a lot of the older generation, and I'll say this about everybody, but some older generation, a good majority of them, I think, have nothing to do with the technology side of, of the world. But you have to think about this, we need to go to where they are. And so just because we're not involved in it doesn't mean we shouldn't use that to reach out. For instance, the Online Academy of Biblical Studies, why is it here? Because it's going to where people are on the Internet. Uh, Chuck says here, social media is the new door knocking. You know, in many ways it is, because that's where people are. You know, Facebook, <laughs> uh, you can be in front of people in a moment and do it easily. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to stop, they're going to look, they're going to read it, because they're on there all the time. And I thought about this today. I was looking at our church's Facebook page, and, ch and uh, Chuck says it's a new door uh, social media is a new door knocking, and Sean says, or they'll block you, talking about Facebook. Uh, you know, that's just like today, someone not answering the door or shutting the door in the face. But we can keep on reaching out. But I was thinking about this day, we're looking at the church's Facebook page. There are a lot of people who are liking or following the church's Facebook page who have no idea who they are. And, you know, some are members of the church, some may not be. But what are they, what are they seeing? Well, every time we post something, we put something out, uh, we are trying, we're inviting them, we're giving them a chance to learn about the Bible. Excuse me, we announce and advertise as really as much as we can on there. 
for the sole purpose, really, because that's where a lot of people are. And so we want to go to where they are. But anyway, that's enough about that. Uh, love for the lost. He says, uh, if we do not have a genuine love for lost souls, we will, we will not really care about setting up and carrying out Bible studies. Like Jesus was, we must be people of compassion. If you look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, <clears throat> Matthew 9 verse 35 says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, since y'all can hear me, I'm going to take these headphones off. Because in matter, unless I'm testing microphone or something, to be honest, I don't really need headphones here because you're chatting with me. You're not talking to me. And those things can get uh, annoying after a while. But anyway, uh, he says in verse 35, he says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in, the, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Well, what is he talking? What is he doing? He went everywhere. He went to all different places, teaching and preaching, trying to find people who will obey the gospel. He went to where they are. Uh, Mark chapter six. I'm looking at verse thirty-four. The Bible says, "And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Because he loved them, he began to teach them." And just because someone today is unwilling doesn't mean we should stop. You know, success is measured by us doing, reaching out in a way that's pleasing the sight of God, doing it in a Bible way. Success should not be measured by the number of baptisms. And for the, one of the reasons I, I believe that is because we have so many people who like to brag about how many people they have baptized. They don't, they don't say they're bragging, but that's what they're doing. They say, well, such and such person baptized 300 people. You know, there's a difference between baptizing someone and placing and the Lord placing them in the body of Christ and someone just getting wet. And I think sometimes we there have been many who have been guilty about rushing through it because they wanted to get someone in the water. And before you know it, that person is not is not faithful. If they ever really understood why they were baptized, they're not faithful. And next thing you know, they're not really being converted. Ernest says here, truly converting them. Yes, we need to truly convert them. Repulse. Now, this is a point I took from uh, Brother Bale's book on evangelism, Every Member Every Day. Now, he uses the term cottage meeting in his book uh, today in 2015. Uh, we wouldn't use the term cottage meeting. He's, he's really referring to, you know, the in-home Bible studies, what he's talking about. And Sean says, and, and what after baptism? If they aren't studied with, studied with encouraged, etc they will fall yes you know sometimes that's that's mistaken people don't do that I've seen too many times where people are baptized and next thing you know uh, they come for two weeks and then you don't see them ever again and I think it's also one of the things we have to think about he says one thing to one thing to baptize hundreds it's another to make a strong Christian soldier I think one of the points we miss sometimes and then we'll get back to our studies I'm getting off topic here a little bit is that we need to make sure we teach people the 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 price of being a Christian before we baptize them, even when they're willing to, to be baptized, let them know that there's a high cost of being a Christian. And so that they're not surprised or shocked when things aren't as easy as they thought they would be. Repulse. Now this is from James Bell's book, 
He says, this means, among other things, that we must not be repulsed through shock or disgust, so we write them off without an effort. He's talking about those who are trying to, to teach. He says, their habits and their language may not appeal to us, and may be far from what they should be, but after all, we are trying to catch sinners. And I think that's an excellent point that we can all be guilty of sometimes. We're put off by people because they're smoking, they're cursing. You know what? That's why we need to talk to them. And they may curse us and tell us to gather, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to, to, to reach them. So the idea here is don't be repulsed by their sinful lifestyle because you have to remember who you're talking to. You're talking to sinners, talking to those who are outside the body of Christ. <clears throat> he says, if they were already fine Christians, we would not be trying to, to lead them to Christ, although we would encourage them in the Christian life. Sometimes some well-meaning people uh, can do harm because they do not realize this. He says, Morgan uh, Dareham wrote, I hope I shall not be misunderstood if I say in closing that one of your greatest problems in this type of work has been the, <clears throat> has been the attitude of some who consider themselves keen Christians. They make things difficult because they, because, they just make no, because they just make no allowances at all for the worldly background which is all the, out, which is all the outsiders have known. They are shocked by cigarettes and wilted by wine, even though the person indulging in these things makes no pretense of being a believer, and regards them as the most natural things in the world with, with which to entertain a friend. So he's saying here, too many people have been repulsed and walked away and because the simple lifestyle people are living, but we have to remember we're trying to reach the sinner, so it's, they don't feel anything is wrong with it, that's why they're doing it, and that's why we need to study with them. He says, uh, James Bales goes on to say, With reference to the sinners we are trying to reach, we need to ask, Am I concerned just with myself, my feelings, and my, con and my convenience? Or am I concerned with this particular person? And will I do what I can to help him? And so we have to do all we can to help them. We cannot allow their sinful actions uh, to keep us from trying to teach them the gospel. Next, we look at knowledge. Going back to the book by uh, Brother Campbell, he says, Knowledge of the Scriptures. He says, First, we need to have a proper uh, perspective about, uh, about salvation and condemnation. We must realize and admit that the Bible teaches that people need Jesus in order to be saved. God has only one way to save sinners, and that is through His Son and, and His Gospel. He has only one way to save sinners. Look at Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Here the Bible says, For all have sinned and become short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. For all have sinned and become short of the glory of God. So we need to make sure that we have enough knowledge to talk to people about sin and talk to people about salvation. And you can go on and look at Luke chapter uh, 15, where we find the, the parables of Christ concerning the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, and they all point to the value of one soul. And we must think in those terms. The second aspect of knowledge is to know the Bible well enough to be able to teach it to others. He says, before a person can, can effectively teach any subject, he or she must first have adequate knowledge of that subject. So before we can teach someone the gospel, we have to know what the gospel is. We have to know what the plan of salvation is. 
you know, if you took a survey in your local congregation and asked people to write down the steps of salvation, I'm sure some of them could do it. Think about this, since Jesus wants us to teach the gospel, Mark 16, 15, we must become knowledgeable of that message in order to be effective teachers in it. So if we're supposed to teach the gospel, we have to know what the gospel is. We have to know it well enough to teach it, defend it, and answer any questions they may have. <coughs> the next one, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the next one we'll look at here is courage. Many have a desire and they really care about others and have decent Bible knowledge, yet do not feel comfortable trying to teach others in the private setting. You think about that. Why is that? Why would someone who has Bible knowledge, who, who has a deep concern for lost souls, but yet is not willing to, to teach someone in the private setting? You know, fear can do a lot of things. But you have to think about, something we have to think about is that the more you do something, the less nervous, the less afraid you're going to be. You know, I used to, I used to hate public speaking, uh, getting in front of people trying to, to deliver a message or deliver a, a a speech when I was in high school, I know I couldn't stand that. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes for you. Look at Second Timothy chapter one and verse seven. Second Timothy one and verse seven says, For God God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of, and of a sound mind. We need to have the courage to reach out to those around us and not be afraid that we're gonna say something wrong. As long as we have the Bible with us, and maybe we need to have a guide about how we're going to go about doing a particular study, but as long as we make the proper study, the proper study, make the proper preparations, I think we'll find many times there's nothing to be afraid of. To be nervous or to be apprehensive is a normal response, but we must not allow our fear to control us and prevent us from doing what we need to do. Brother Campbell goes on to say, contrary to common thought, Courage or bravery is not the absence of fear. No, courage is the strength to overcome fear or go on and take the right course of action despite the presence of fear. If we realize that fear is holding us back from doing what we need to do, that is to teach the gospel, then we need to face it head on and, stri head on and strive with God's help to overcome it. And so we need to have courage to teach. And I think, as we're going to look at next week, we need to have courage to try to set up that first study. Now the hardest part, in my opinion, is setting up that Bible study. Next we will look at method. And we're not going to talk about this a great deal because we're going to be talking about it more later. But we need to have a method. We need to have, know ahead of time how we're going to go about doing a personal Bible study. We need to find a method or a combination of methods that works best for you. Anything with this? We can. It says, of course, I can find out what best suits me only through practice and experience. But the Campbell says one good way. <clears throat> one good way to learn is to teach. One good way to learn how to teach is to go with someone else who has experience in teaching and observing how that person teaches. Consider how he does it and learn from from what you think he does well in his teaching approach. At the, <clears throat> at the same time, excuse me. Try to note those things that you think he could have done differently or not even done at all. There are many Christians that have learned how to conduct a one-on-one -on -one Bible study simply by taking Bible in hand and beginning to teach others. 
experience has been their biggest teacher, and there is certainly no substitute for it. And he goes on to talk about how, you know, you go out and do a Bible study one day, and you decide that's not the way I want to do it, so you pick a different way, you go out and decide maybe that's not the way I want to do it either. And basically what he's talking about is practice, 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 practice. Go with those who have done it before, watch them, listen, and pick up what you like, leave what you don't, basically, and practice. Don't be afraid. Don't be too afraid you're going to do something that uh, you don't like because most of the time our first study, our first few studies, or even more, will not go as we would like until we get our own method down for how we want to do things. And our last uh, point is time. It takes time to be involved in personal evangelism. Many members of the church, their lives are extremely busy. If teaching the lost is really important to us, though, we will find a way to, to make time for it. One thing is certain, we will never regret arranging our schedules in order to seek and to teach the lost. We need to make time. You understand we all have things we have to do. We have to work. We have to take care of our children. We have to do other tasks throughout the day and throughout the week. But we should still find some time to, to try to do our own personal outreach, our own personal evangelistic efforts. Because if we don't, how are we going to reach those around us? We let someone else do it? You know, sometimes there is no one else. And we want we should be those who not only want to reach out to the lost in our area, but we want to be those who are uh, learning to do it in a good way, learning to uh, you know perfecting our method, then also helping others who want to be those who are going out doing personal evangelism. You know, if you start doing it, and another another person starts doing it, it just it can snowball. More people can start doing it, and if you can get one person in your congregation, or every person in your congregation to talk to one person every week, even if it's just inviting them to a, to a worship service or something, but, you know, going beyond that, not just inviting someone every week, but trying to sit up a study with someone, if you get every person to do that to, and talk to at least one person, and you have a congregation of 30, then you just reach out to 30 people on a personal level. And, you know, that's hard to do. But we have to make the time, we have to have... The desire, we have to have the love, we have to have the knowledge, the courage, have a method pounded out, and then we need to carve out the time and actually do it. Well, thank you for being in class with me this evening. I do apologize for a technical error earlier. I'm not sure what happened there. But, you know, with technical stuff, computer stuff, you just never know what's going to happen. But I do thank you for being in class with me this evening. Next week, our class will be making the approach and setting up the Bible study. And this uh, these studies previous to this have been good, but you know, I really enjoy talking about making the approach and setting the Bible study, the actual, more the practical side of things. And uh, as I do personal work and do uh, uh, personal evangelism, the more I learn and the more eager I'll try to do it. The only problem here at the States is just trying to get someone who actually study with you. And so we need to think about I think our primary focus after we have studied to prepare ourselves for this study, we need to think about what's a good way to make the approach and to set up the Bible study. What's a good way that we can get someone to cover out some time for us and to have a Bible study with us?